Episode 23. You know, when I left my last church, everything fell apart. And they're almost proud that everything fell apart when they left. You bring the passion. We bring the knowledge. Learn from the most creative, innovative, and experienced youth experts across the globe. Are you ready to take your youth ministry to the next level? If the answer is yes, you are in the right place. The Youth Workshop, the podcast. Here's your host, Luke White. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Youth Workshop podcast. I'm so happy, I'm overjoyed, in fact, to welcome our special, very special guest from the United States of America. We have Dave Sipple, and Dave is the Vice President of Connections for Ministry Architects. Dave, how are you today? I'm doing very well. It's a good morning over here and an afternoon for you all, I guess, so um, we're doing well. Excellent. Please just take it away and tell us a little bit more about yourself and about your ministry that you're part of. Sure. Thank you uh, for having me on the show today. I, I'm a, a youth ministry guy. Um, I actually grew up, was very active in youth ministry, and then had an opportunity to serve as the youth minister in my own church. And that started uh, 20 years ago, the summer of 1994 uh, was when that started. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it started in my home church and I've done all my ministry in Florida, um, of course, in the United States, and uh, um, for the last few years, I've been doing a little of that, but also um, I've been doing some consulting work with ministry architects. So, I mean, that's that's who I am at heart is, is a youth worker. I love youth workers. I didn't know I'd be doing this kind of work uh, back in college when I was studying uh, to be in business, but uh, that's what God did, and uh, it's been a wonderful choice. And uh, so Ministry Architects is what I'm doing now. I also am a volunteer in my local church in the youth ministry. My son is a 10th grader now, and uh, uh, so I'm jumping into youth ministry as a volunteer now. Uh, Ministry Architects is a uh, full-service church consulting firm, but we're best known for uh, youth ministry consulting. And uh, we've been doing that since 2002. We've done... Uh, we've supported the youth ministry in about 450 different churches um, during those years, and uh, it's really a blessing to be a part of the organization. Excellent. As you can see, ladies and gentlemen, Dave is going to be a valuable resource for us today. So I'm going to ask as many questions as I can and really get the most out of Dave's many, many years of experience. So, okay, let's go one step at a time. Ministry architects um the the byline on the website is building sustainable ministries one church at a time where do you start when you're trying to build a successful ministry um specifically in this case youth ministry where would you start well it's often um changing the mindset of a congregation um we encounter still you know in 2015 we encounter churches that that are really hoping that either Superman or Jesus uh, himself will fly into their church and save their youth ministry. And they literally put all their hope on the shoulders of this person um, who often is uh, very young and, and, and inexperienced um, even. So, so the, the amount of hope <laughs> and the amount of experience don't always line up, you know. And, um, and so for us, it's about 
teaching that church that youth ministry is best done when the congregation decides we're all going to do this together. And, and the, the staff person or the volunteer who's running the youth ministry, they are a valuable asset, but they're not the only asset that we're pinning our hopes on. Um, the congregation, when we see a youth ministry thrive, it's when the church, the parish, the congregation says, this youth ministry is ours, these kids belong to us, and uh, we're going to own this thing. And, and then, you know, so that makes a ministry more sustainable because when a staff person leaves, the ministry doesn't fall apart. It's, it's been owned by the congregation and, and they continue. You know, it's kind of, I compare it to, uh, this is a terrible comparison, but you guys will get it. You know, um, you know there's, a, there's a TV show that started out over in England and made its way over here. It's called Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> um, yeah. And honestly, you know, a lot of people go into the restaurant business and they know nothing about running a business. They basically make great pizza or great sandwiches, good barbecue, whatever it is, and they go into business thinking that running a business is just about being a good cook. Um, and they don't realize that there's personnel to deal with, payroll, inventory, record keeping, um, cleaning, and, and, and uh, communication, and advertising, and marketing, and um, all the stuff that comes along with a business. And that ends up being their downfall um, after a while. And yet... Um, you know, you see a McDonald's restaurant open up and they never fail. You know what I mean? It's like uh, these little pizza places that are owned by the little guy that likes to make pizza, they fail about 80% of the time, but McDonald's never, never fails. And what we know about McDonald's is that it's almost manager proof. You can put any manager into that McDonald's and it'll be just fine. So, so the question for us is, what does it look like to have a youth ministry that's almost, I hate to say this, but almost youth director proof, where um, the, the church has set up such a strong system that you know, it doesn't hang on how talented the youth worker is necessarily. Again, the youth worker is a tremendous resource, just as the manager of a restaurant is, but you, you just, you know... There's more to it than just this talented young person that comes in. There's much more to it than that. And, you know, most youth workers get into youth ministry because they love kids. And that is a great place to start. But you've got to teach a church how to love kids just as much as you do. Um, that's the best thing that you can do versus being the only one in that church that loves kids. <laughs> that's, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. You see, you, you touched on something really, I think, quite important there and something that, um, I, I've read about in, in other type of leadership type books where for some people, um, and tell me if you found this in your experience, some people f feel that actually a leader should be the one to do everything, to push the agenda, to be the, the dynamo in the system. Whereas some people suggest that actually no, effective leadership is where basically working yourself out of a job. Sure, um, yeah. Would you, would you agree with that sentiment? Or? I definitely would. And I've even seen youth ministers, youth pastors mature from one place to another. It's kind of fun to watch. When I coach a young youth leader, they will actually say something like, uh, you know, when I left my last church, everything fell apart. And they're almost proud that everything fell apart when they left. Like, they needed me so badly when I left, everything fell apart. And then you'll meet that same youth worker, you know, 10 years later or five years later, 
and they'll say, man, my last church, when I left, everything fell apart. And there's a grief about that. And they, so it goes from almost feeling flattered by the fact that everything fell apart to a real grief about that. And it's, it, they, they know it's a leadership failure. When, if you leave a church and the youth ministry falls apart, it's, it's a leadership failure. Um, the greatest gift you can give that church is to multiply yourself, teach others how to do what you do, um, develop your team, you know, spend a certain chunk of your time with adults. When initially you got into it to spend your time with kids, you've got to spend some of your time with adults uh, in that church. So, yeah, it's definite leadership development. So, have you found that churches are very receptive to these kind of ideas, which for many would be extremely challenging? Like, how do how have churches got to the point where, although they um, know they need to change. They're still they're quite stuck in their ways. How do they then get to the point where they actually approach yourself or the ministry architects? How has that happened? Because it seems so strange that turkeys would vote for Christmas, as they say. You know how <laughs> yes. has, how has that happened? Well, unfortunately, it happens when a church has been broken long enough where they realize that the model that they've been using has been has not been working. Um, a church will call us that has had, let's say, uh, you know, six, five or six youth directors in 10 years, and they've never had any real traction in the youth ministry, and they just, somebody at that church says, stop, um, stop. And usually it's one key leader, literally, that says, what are we doing? We're, we're repeating the same mistakes over and over again. There's got to be a better way. Um, and and that's, so that's a, a great place. I, you know, one of my favorite calls is when a church says, um, hey, our youth director left and, uh, and we've decided that this is not a time to panic, um, that this is probably a good time for us to take a deep look at what we're doing um, and to move forward carefully versus quickly, you know, quick as we, quick as we can, but slow as we should, you know. Um, and so that's, you know, but at the same time, I'll be out totally honest with you. There are churches that will bring us in and then reject the idea that it's, it's not all about the youth worker. Um, I've got a church over here in the deep South that, uh, man, I, I just worked with them, worked with them, worked with them. And ultimately they said, listen, it's, you know, we don't want to do youth ministry as a congregation. We want somebody else to do it. <laughs> it's, it's like, so it happens. Even even a church that does call us, it's it's just so ingrained that they can't they just can't get unstuck sometimes. That is so interesting. So, what are the common? Are there any kind of common mistakes that um, churches that call you in you you you've noticed that it is happening over and over again over a kind of a few different churches? Are there any common mistakes that are being made with youth ministries? Yeah, it's uh, um, you know, it's almost like they are looking for a certain set of skills when they hire somebody, but then they uh, ask that person to do everything else and spend as little time in that skill set as they can. And here's what I mean: you know, they when you say who are you looking for, they say we want somebody to come and uh, disciple our kids, somebody that's great interacting with them, that loves one-on-one -on -one time with students, somebody that will come develop, our, uh, recruit volunteers and train them and get to know parents and all that. Then they hire somebody and they actually 
really want that person just to plan parties and events. Um, and it's kind of ironic because, you know, most churches are full of people that could plan an event or plan some kind of a party, a Super Bowl event or something like that for youth or, or a graduation event or whatever it is. Um, but the youth worker gets put in that spot. And so, and that stuff has to be done. And so they often sort of uh, park or <laughs> table the volunteer recruiting piece because there's no time for that. And so we just, one of the things we do is we try and encourage churches to, you know, work to understand the gift set of the person you've hired and then surround them with people that are gifted in the other areas versus versus sort of assuming that your youth worker will have all the gifts. Um, you know, because, and we actually see, here's what's funny that we observe, a church will hire a youth worker that's very creative, spontaneous, highly relational, energetic, and the program will have all of that. It will have that creativity and spontaneity, but often it's not very organized um, because the person is highly relational and not necessarily super detail-oriented, you know. Uh, and then because it's not oriented, people get frustrated and they let go of that youth worker. They fire that youth worker or the youth worker just leaves because they're miserable, whatever it is. The church will then swing the pendulum over to the other side and hire somebody that's stable, consistent, sturdy, great communicator and organizer in the program is very organized, but it's missing some of those creative, spontaneous pieces that they had before. And so, so they, so they let go of that youth worker and then they swing the other way. <laughs> it's crazy. And, and, and instead of kind of saying, uh, uh, listen, the person that we hire is going to come with a certain set of skills. And as a congregation, let's just come alongside them and make sure that all of the gifts are represented because we're all in. You know, um, I'll tell you right now about this true confessions time. Um, I am, my programs were always, always, always very organized, very structured. I never had a parent complain about not knowing what was going on, not feeling good communication, but I had to outsource creativity to other people. <laughs> um, I would surround myself with, uh, creative types, people younger than me sometimes, sometimes not, but so that our program had both. Um, I just had to admit I'm not super creative. Um, and, uh, you know, I can read books on it, but it just, <laughs> it's not happening, you know? So, so anyway, yeah, that's one of the mistakes we see. It's very common. That's really interesting. Thanks Dave for sharing that. It made me reflect on kind of my own journey as a youth worker. Um, and trying to understand, it's been a constant tension between trying to understand exactly where my personal skill sets lie and I think it's such a free in it must be such a free in feeling to identify <laughs> exactly here's what I'm good at, here's what I can do for you, here's what I'm gonna need help in. Is there any way um or any tool that you've come across that helps that can help an individual like myself, like our listeners, identify specifically what where our strengths lie? Mm. You know, I don't know if a tool or a book can get you there. I, I know there are plenty of uh, personality inventories. Myers-Briggs is a good tool for that. There's a great tool called the Enneagram um, that Richard Rohr, a Catholic priest, brought. It's, a, um, it's an ancient tradition that's sort of like a personality inventory with a spiritual side um, where everybody has a strength, but they also have a corresponding sin, um, a dark place uh, that 
that they go to that corresponds with their strengths. So that's a great tool. But honestly, um, you think it comes think, mainly from experience? Then I I do, but also through a through a mentor. Um, that's where my brain went when you asked the question: was a trusted person that will speak truth into your life. Um, that's that's a huge piece. Is somebody that uh, will just say to you, "Listen, I watch you work." This part of your job seems to uh, be a burden. This part of your job brings you a lot of joy. Um, and I can see it in your face when you're working in this area that your face just lights up. But when you're in this other area, it just feels like it's, it's, it's a job. You know? and, and every, you know, it is a, a J-O-B for so many people, um, you know, unless you're a volunteer, I guess. But, uh, um, but so there, there comes along with it certain things and responsibilities. But... Nonetheless, we can still work ourselves into a sweet spot, um, and then, you know, trust the congregation to to come alongside us if they're supportive in that way. Awesome, awesome, awesome! All right then, Dave, um, you know, you've got quite a big team um, that work mm-hmm. with you at, at Ministry Architects. It looks like a very big team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you stay? Um, I guess A on the same page so everyone knows what's going on and also B um, how do you you keep yourselves creative and innovative um, and fresh because obviously every church you go into is different um, but so how do you keep that that vibrancy from church to church well you know ministry architects is set up with a kind of a, a hierarchy that makes a lot of sense um we have people on our team that are designated as senior consultants, and those folks both are senior level people within our organization in that they've got a lot of experience, but they also are coaching um, a group of our lead consultants. And then um, our newest members of the team are, are called staff consultants when they come on board with us. And uh, so the, the training kind of goes through Mark DeVries and, and the executive team, which includes me. Um, to those senior consultants who then work to coach their lead consultants. And, and we always work in our churches in, a, in pairs, unless the church is very, very small. Um, we work in pairs. There's an experienced team member going out with a newer member of our team. And, um, and so it's, that DNA is kind of shared that way. And one of the things that we've been able to do as an organization, which is a little un, uh, uncanny, I don't, I don't know how we've done it, but there's a, um, there's a professional playfulness that goes through the organization that we we are a group that loves to laugh um that loves to have fun and yet um these are just some of those talented organized um driven youth workers i've I've ever been around and uh um, so that's a part of it too is that we've been careful to protect that dna um we meet as often as we can. We are scattered around the country, um, and we even we have a few consultants in Canada. Um, one of our team members will actually be graduating from Princeton Seminary and returning to England actually very soon. So we'll 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 soon be able to say we have a, a ministry architects consultant in England, which is kind of neat. Um, but uh, we try to stay connected online. We do a retreat every year, which is a you know we bring a big chunk of our team together, twenty five to thirty of us. Um, to various settings, sometimes someone's home, sometimes a camp. It, it's fun to be in different locations all the time. But that's a great place to just prayerfully push forward, um, instill the DNA into the team, remind us of who we are, try some new uh, strategies, learn some new initiatives and models for things that we're doing. 
Um, but uh, anyway, it's it's worked so far, and uh, we uh, are ever alert to kind of make sure we don't start doing things that are outside of um, that DNA. It's very important. And how do you go about finding your team or bringing your team together? Is it a process of um, just applying or do you, is there active headhunting going on? It's, it started out one way and it's a little different now. Um, for a long time, it was very organic and viral. Uh, um, I was actually a client um, working in a church that was being supported by Ministry Architects and about you know nine months into that journey, the consultant that was working with me said, Dave, you, you've, man, you've got the skill set we need for this and uh, you ought to think about doing it. And so it, it, you know, I came to the team through a relationship and that's the way most people did. We would go um, to a youth ministry event and see somebody in a seminar, meet somebody in a, a workshop, a meeting, um, and we just would observe that they're, they've got a lot of experience and they seem to have that um, relaxed yet driven personality that our folks need, um, task-oriented a bit. Um, so it's, it's come through relationship when a consultant says, I've got this girl that from, this, from my community that would be great. And uh, we, we work to bring that person onto the team. We grew to probably 50 or so folks through that, just through relationships, um, people recommending other people to us, consultants finding somebody on their own and recommending them. But we do have um, people that apply, um, and we're starting to pull people off of that list. Twice a year, we basically go to our uh, the pipeline of, of people that have inquired about being with us, and we go and we kind of pull a few people off of that pipeline and give them an opportunity to go do an assessment with us and uh, to kind of send them out and see see if this process is a good fit for them um so it's changed a little bit it's become it's gone from being completely organic to being a little more organized and structured <laughs> so fantastic fantastic okay you mentioned earlier and my ears pricked up at this because you said you studied you were studying business previously mm -hmm. what what are some of the key entrepreneurial skills that you've learned or you've picked up that you think are essential for an effective youth ministry Ooh, have you read the e-myth i haven't um great book um the e-myth it's it's uh, similar to what we were talking about before about um how to move from being the baker in a bakery <laughs> to being the business owner of a bakery uh it's it's and and that's just for every entrepreneur they ought to read the e-myth um fantastic book it applies to church work because um it it takes the youth worker from what they are doing now to being more the uh, director of a ministry, uh, a, a minister to other ministers, um, um, going from being the center of the structure to being a member of the structure, you know, um, to develop their team, the importance of developing your team, um, the importance of keeping an eye on, on systems uh, to make sure that they're in place, um, that those things don't atrophy that the book is just a fantastic uh, resource um yeah the e-myth yep yeah um, i would encourage anybody to read it it's a business book but it's a bestseller and uh as you're reading it you can through the lens of a church it, it, it you still can see that so much of it 90 percent of it applies so it's a great book um, but that's the thing is to go from being um 
as a youth worker, the one who works with kids to the one who carefully nurtures and protects and builds a system that ministers to kids. You see, oh, this is, this is, this is a real, really, really interesting. I want to stay on this point a bit longer, Dave, because I'm thinking, what if the young person, you know, our listeners here are thinking, well, do you know what, Dave? Do you know what, Luke? I'm not really interested in being the CEO of this ministry. I'm not really interested in the the more mm. organizational mm. and um, structure kind of basis of this. I yeah. just love young people. I just want to just hang with them, just chill with them, just share Jesus with them. And that's it. I don't want this kind of added stress. What, what would you say to that? And h- how do you get the two together especially as again when we've got youth leaders a lot of youth leaders in the uk system are volunteers right yep. so how do we get that balance or or that that ten- how do we resolve that tension sure it's there's two things that um are important and and i want to carefully protect first of all that heart for students i actually when i'm coaching somebody um i encourage them to keep a small group um that you know that they don't in other words start managing their small group system in their church and where but for them to hang on to a small group themselves where they still have contact with kids because it keeps you fresh it reminds you of why you do what you do um and it's what god called you to do ultimately and so and you have a gift to give students so don't give up on that but you know one of the things that creating this system does for you is it both broadens your impact in your church and deepens your impact in that church too. And, and what I mean by that is every, every youth worker has a, uh, what we call a, a capacity for care. Um, there's a certain number of students that you can really know and disciple. And when you get beyond that number, it starts to get, you know, really wide, but not very deep. Um, you, you start to not even be able to remember all their names, much less, their, what kind of families they come from, which school they go to, what activities they participate in, how they really feel about themselves, what they're questioning in their faith right now, um, what certainties they have about their faith. You know, um, you, it's you have a capacity for the number of people that you can really do that with, and then you get beyond that, and it starts to get you know your impact becomes more and more shallow the larger the group gets. The last thing you want in youth ministry is to have success in terms of growth, but then numeric growth, but then that numeric growth and success leads to uh, a weaker and weaker discipleship within those those youth because you're over capacity. So you can broaden your impact in your community and in your church by bringing other people alongside you and teaching them to do what you do. Um, if, if it's not about you, and, and believe me, youth ministry has never actually been about the youth worker. Um, it's if it's about kids, if it's really, if you get right down to it, if you're looking at your priorities and it really is about kids coming to know Christ, um, a group of them will be able to do that through you. But it's risky to have to expect all of the the connections to Christ to the church to come through you. Um, it's it's you know. And especially if you ever move from that church, my goodness, the relationships are all broken. And that's where that deepening comes from. If you want the impact in kids' lives to go beyond you, 
and your time in a church, um, you know, connect that child to Christ first and foremost, and then connect them to that congregation um, versus connecting them all to you. Um, that's just a, a fragile model. The most fragile model you can adopt is the one where you're in the middle, surrounded by a sea of kids. The better model is to put the kid in the middle and surround them with a sea of caring adults. <laughs> very, very powerful stuff. So, Dave, if you were to start, um, you know, you decided ministry architects was no longer for you and you know you're going to start again as a youth a youth pastor or a youth worker in a, in a local church what would your first year look like yeah you know it's there's some foundational pieces we, we use a book called sustainable youth ministry um mark devries wrote it um i didn't write it so i can brag on it all day long um <laughs> and uh but i'm very proud of it it's um, it literally lays out the plan for a youth worker. Um, matter of fact, in the back of the books, in the appendix, appendix B in the back of the book, there's something called the builder's checklist. And it's almost like a, a task list to start with and just knock out some things one at a time. Because, you know, if I was cranking up a ministry at a church, um, there would be a, a part of me that would focus on building some relationships um, initially, getting to know the students, being with them, being with my volunteers, getting to know parents. But it can't be all that. Um, part part of my time would be uh, to focus on making sure that some basic systems are in place, and uh, and that would include things as basic as um, just a, a database. Do we know who our kids are, um, and and attendance tracking? Do we know not just how many are coming, but who has been here, and therefore who has not been here, <laughs> which is a, a very important list to have. Um, and so starting with basics like that and then looking at developing a long-term sort of curriculum plan alongside those leaders in that church for what we hope to teach these students, naming a clear and compelling vision, the thing that we're shooting for is it a strong missions program, a big small group program, um, whatever it might be, let's, let's name the approach that we're going to use and some goals and a vision for this thing and get after it. So that, it, you know, if I'm really living into this model that I believe so much in, it's, there's a, a heavy emphasis on relationships, but alongside that, there's got to be some structural work. Um, in our assessment reports, we, we always put a picture of a church up on stilts, a church that's been kind of jacked up off the ground, um, you know, and, and a little bit of both has to happen in the life of the youth ministry. The work of the church still needs to happen. Um, and that would be youth group meetings and Sunday mornings and r retreats and trips, all that stuff. But at the same time, if the foundation that supports all of that is really weak, then this is at risk of, of just being lost. And so you've got to mitigate risk by having paperwork and screening your volunteers, um, all those things that help us become less fragile uh, by mitigating those risks. And, uh, and then just tracking the kids through a system versus tracking them with our eyeballs <laughs> um, to really shepherd this group. So a little bit of both. Work up in the church, get to know these students, be in relationship with them, but also tend to those important systems. I'm reading a, a book at the moment called The Obstacle is the Way um, mm. by a man called Ryan Halliday. And the bit that they're talking about, he's talking about at the moment, is this idea of a pre-mortem, which is basically when you're, 
when you're about to embark on a, a project or you're about to launch something new, it's this idea of sitting down and working out everything that could go wrong before you even launch and then trying to mitigate those risks in some in some way what are the give us some kind of key things that will probably go wrong in our ministry in our youth ministry and some ideas as to how we can mitigate or or plan for those even before they happen sure um well one of the things that you know we work with pastors and youth workers to understand is that um you know as you live into a model where the congregation is sharing the youth ministry responsibility, there will be people that are very much against that, will push back against that. And for example, when you do ask somebody to uh, to run an event for you, to be what we call a major event coordinator, um, you will have people say to you, um, isn't that your job? <laughs> you will. And um, and so what we do is, is we work with pastors, the bosses, the people supervising these volunteers or paid youth workers to say, we need you to advocate for your youth worker, that this is what we want to do. This is what we've asked them to do. Their job is to involve this congregation in the youth ministry, to increase the visibility of these kids, the integration of the ministry in the church. We don't want a siloed program that's separate from the church. We want it to be fully integrated. And so that's one thing. And, um, you know, one of the things you have to mitigate is just sabotage um, in the church. Um, Great book called Well-Intentioned Dragons um, came out like 20 years ago, and it's Well-Intentioned Dragons, and it's about people in the church that create conflict. Um, they have good intentions, but they just create conflict everywhere and all the time. And um, you know, Edwin Friedman uh, wrote a great book called The Failure of Nerve, and uh, he tells you in that book to expect sabotage um, when you're trying to that way, when it happens, you're not shocked. You're just like, oh, well, I, I knew somebody was going to sabotage it. And I didn't know it would be you, but I, <laughs> you know, I knew it would be somebody and I was ready for that. And I'm not destroyed by that. I'm not going to be crushed by that because I kind of knew it was coming. Um, and so anyway, that, that's a part of it. And, you know, youth workers can also mitigate a lot of negativity and resistance to change by learning how to become a bard, a, a storyteller. Um, somebody's got to be singing the stories and, and, and celebrating what's happening in this youth ministry. Um, youth workers, for the most part, are really good at uh, getting ready for events before they happen, but we often forget that a piece of our ministry in the church is to uh, report on what happened in those events. Um, even if the event 80% of it didn't go the way you wanted it to. Don't tell that story. Um, <laughs> you know, focus on the, the 10, 20% of the event where you nailed it and, and tell that story over and over again. Um, one of the things that in Florida, we're gifted with a, a, a large population of the elderly. Um, it's Florida is a place that people come to retire. And so, um, and one thing I know about our oldest generation in the church is if they latch on to a compelling story, they will tell that story to everybody that they see. Um, and so one of my jobs in the church is to make sure that they have stories to share, you know, to, to feed those to those people. And then they'll leave the church and tell everybody that they see that story. Um, and so that's a, one of the ways to, to change climate and culture at a church is for you to say, 
I'm going to focus on making sure that the stories of the good stuff that's happening here in our ministry are being told as often as possible. Excellent stuff. We're loving this conversation so far, Dave, and it's sad to say we're coming to the end. So maybe kind of just leave us with a passing thought. Maybe your your last, if, if this was the last piece of advice you were ever going to give um, people in this side of the world, what would you want to leave us with? Um, that's, boy, that's a big responsibility. Um, now, I, I would kind of reiterate some of the things I've been saying, and that is uh, that, you know, the people who love the youth of your church are already in your church. Um, they're there. They, they know that they love the youth ministry, but they may not know how to love it. Um, and so one of the gifts you can bring is, is helping the members of your congregation, the leaders of your church, kind of discover um, that thing that they can do for the youth ministry. Um, you know, one of my favorite questions that I'll ask kids when I'm sitting down at a church doing a consultation is I'll ask them two questions. I'll say, who are the adults that work with you right now that you really love? And the kids will tell me, you know, two or three, four names of people that, that are adults in their church that they really love that work with them right now. And then I'll follow that up by saying, who are the adults from your church that you love that do not work with you right now. And they always have a longer list. That list is always longer than the first list. Those who don't work with them that they wish would is longer than the list of those who currently do work with them. And, and so when the church says to me, you know, uh, we've got to find somebody to come work with these kids, I love reminding them that but the kids told me that those people are already here. Um, so you don't have to go looking for them. They're here. It's the way God works. Um, God put people in your church uh, to minister to kids. They're already there. It's one of your gifts will be to help them discover that love uh, for kids. And it'll transform that church forever and transform the kids in that church forever. Dave, leave us with the best way to keep in touch with you, to keep in touch with ministry architects, maybe to work with you guys in the future if sure. you so desire. What's the best way to, to get in touch? Yeah, there's several ways. The best is the website. It's ministryarchitects.com, uh, and that's pluralarchitects.com. Um, and my email address is dave at ministryarchitects.com. Couldn't be much easier than that. Um, but that's a great way to stay in touch with us. We actually have a, a mobile app nice. um, that's available, too, that you can look up. It's on the uh, both the iPhone, the iTunes store, but also in the Google Play the app store. It's even... Uh, out for the you know on Amazon as well, so uh, so it's pretty much available on almost any phone unless you still use a BlackBerry, which I, I don't. I <laughs> which don't know there's no help in you. If yeah, you exactly. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so that's a, a great way to. Um, we're on Facebook, uh, Ministry Architects. Um, that's a great way to interact with our team members. Um, tons of freebies, by the way, on the website. A whole page with job descriptions, sample vision documents, some free curriculum lessons. There's tons of stuff there that uh, would benefit folks, I'm sure. So, And, uh, you know, we do actually hope to uh, work with churches uh, in England. Um, and the closest we've come is we worked with the Presbyterian Church of Ireland. Um, so we've come almost, uh, to, you know, it's almost so close. But one of the things we know is, is it's a high priority, and we're even – doing this in Canada, we know that the best model for 
ministering in other countries is to develop team members in those countries um, versus sending Americans uh, into Canada or over to Ireland or over to England or uh, to Australia and places where we've had churches inquire um, about us. Uh, the best model would be for us to send Americans just just for the initial apprenticeship piece um, to develop those English team members, those Canadian team members, um, to do this on their own, independent of us. And so we've identified a guy in Ireland that we hope to do that with. We've got two guys in Canada that we hope to do that with. And we are sending one of our team members back to, uh, to England once she graduates from Princeton over here to do that. But um, that's, that's, you know, the model that we know is more effective. So, you know, if, if, if there's a, an experienced veteran youth worker over in England that um, has a church that needs help, um, one of the things to do is to say, hey, ministry architects, come over here, partner with me um, in, in my work with this church. Teach me to do what you do. And uh, that's one of, the, one of the ways that we know we can impact churches in England is to uh, just, again, send Americans for a short while. But the goal is to uh, we back away and the English youth workers and, um, are, are now trained up to support the churches over there. So anyway, long answer. <laughs> Excellent. No, perfect answer. Dave, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Luke. And um, we've really appreciated it and you've been very gracious and, 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 and giving. So thank you so much and we hope to speak to you again soon. That'd be wonderful. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Youth Workshop Podcast. Don't forget to head on over to iTunes where you can subscribe to the show so you will never miss an episode. And until next time, create an impact with your influence.